Hello and welcome to Real Actors, Real Answers, the place where actors, actresses, scriptwriters, directors, producers, and more get real. Today I would like to introduce, I have the privilege of introducing to you an actor, not just an actor. He's a professional actor, singer, and playwright in the Detroit metro area. He has performed professionally with Riverbank Theater in Marine City, Uncovered Theater in Rochester Hills, and Monst Mo excuse me, Monster Box Theater in Waterford, and he is currently a member of their executive board, which doesn't surprise me a bit. He's also written eight, count them, eight full-length plays and several one-acts, and I am super-duper excited to talk with him today. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Daniel D. Ray. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> yes, it has. I've known you since 2014, and you've always been, you stood out. I remember when I was speaking at Anchor Bay High School, everybody was good, but you stood out, and I am, you're just phenomenal. That's all there is to it. Thank you very much. I'm, again, very thrilled to uh, be on the podcast and just to talk about art, the art life, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Um, now, I, I said you were a singer, but <clears throat> you, um, I, I still remember, you sing. What what kind of songs do you love to sing? I'm saying that oh, for the audience. What? Oh, what songs do I love to sing for an audience? Uh, well, it, it really depends, honestly. When I get really into, I mean, obviously show, obviously any kind of show tunes, because I'm a I'm a theater person, so that's naturally the songs I go to. But sometimes, another thing, if we're talking just in general, anytime I can show off my falsetto, which is my secret weapon, so <laughs> when, I'm on, when I'm at karaoke, I usually go for a little bit of Bee Gees. But as far as other songs to perform, I'll say this. The most fun I've had performing a single song uh, was probably my junior year of college at Rochester University when I sang Snuff That Girl as a part of uh, Urine Town when I played Hot Waves Harry. That was so fun because I just got to be totally insane and it was just a total blast. And 90% of the songs from Little Shop of Horrors when I did that show, that was that was fun too. Okay, that's cool. Do you, do you have do you remember like a song from Little Shop of Horrors? I know I pretty much anyone grow for me um, certainly Seymour obviously I think is Alan Menken's uh, masterpiece uh, obviously the end of feed me the end of uh, feed me I think is just is so it just pumps you up with adrenaline once you're in the moment and I even I'll be honest a song, oh just the gaffs which is the duet with the dentist Mushnik and Son, which when I did that, there was a crazy dance number that we did with homages to Fiddler on the Roof, and I still can't believe that I did that because I am not a dancer by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. So the fact that I was able to do that, I still can't believe that I was able to do that. But that was mainly due to being under the guidance of the incredible Tony Amato, who is my Mr. Mushnik, and our incredible direct, our, our incredible choreographer Xavier Bush. So they kind of took care of me there. That's awesome. I've always admired you for that. You give other people credit, and um, and yet you are the great Daniel. <laughs> That's coming from me. 
Um, Thank you. Can you can you sing one of the songs from? Um, the, Shop of Horrors. Yeah. All right. Okay. Give me a second. Hold up. I'll give you. I'll give you a girl for me. Give me a little bit of snippet. I've given you sunshine. I've given you dirt. You've given me nothing <clears throat> but heartache and hurt. I'm begging you sweetly. I'm down on my knees. Now please grow for me. How's that sound? Was that good? That was beautiful. I miss Thank that. You. I used to listen to you all the time. Yeah, <clears throat> you have a way about you of just bringing a smile to people's faces. Thank you. That means a lot. I try to be. Yes, yes. Um, I remember when we came to see you, it was at Rochester College, and it was a Shakespeare play. What was that again? I think you came to see me in As You Like It, I believe. Yeah, you were this strange character. That um, was in a brown robe, and you were wandering yeah. about. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, or for those who are familiar with As You Like It, I played two characters in that show. Uh, the first character I played was Adam, who is the main character, Orlando's elderly servant and confidant. And I had a huge beard, and they really spray-painted my hair and made me look. I looked like a mix between Moses and Grandpa Joe. <laughs> and... And I also played the part that uh, David was talking about. And I played the role of Sir Oliver Martex, who is a really stupid uh, minister who's just bad at his job and is totally oblivious. <laughs> and so then that was kind of a fun. That was kind of a fun thing to do. That's awesome. That's and awesome. Like it, oh, and as you like it, fun thing. That was actually my first. I wasn't a professional then. I was an intern with that company but that was the first professional show that i was involved with how was the cast how did you get along with the cast that's really important in acting oh my gosh it was just an amazing i love everybody in that cast i met so obviously a lot of them i went to school with because uh uncovered theater their shows they partner with rochester university and it's one giant um this force that works together and you have a lot of these faculty and people that I look up to who are my educators. I was acting alongside them and a lot of my friends that I went to school with. But I also uh, met some new faces that I'd never met before and that I got to work with for the first time. And it was just great. I loved everybody, and I still love them this day. Like, those – the people in that Rochester group are just fantastic people to work with. And I, I love them. I can't say enough good things about them. That's awesome. <clears throat> what tell me about tell us about um what you're currently working on as far as full-length plays you can divulge anything or nothing but um yeah. if you want to keep it under wraps that's fine but if you could give us a little tidbit yes so i've got a couple things i'm working on right now uh first thing i'm working on my ninth full-length play which is a parody of dune the um the, specifically the David Lynch 80s sci-fi film Dune based on the novel by Frank Herbert uh, parody of that it's called Don't Feed the Sandworms I'm working on that right now I just finished act one a couple days ago and now I'm working on the second act and it's going to be a ton of fun I think it's because I haven't written a really good comedy in a while and I think I'm overdue so I think this one's going to turn out pretty special 
and I'm also working on, technically I've already completed the writing for this, but I've also got another project in the works. I, one of my plays, Captain Henry and the Justice Court, which is a superhero play based on Henry V, I wrote that play, and now me and my friend Eric Neese are working on creating a radio show of nine episodes, nine 30-minute episodes, that I adapted from my play. Wow. So we're doing that soon. Right now, uh, Eric's working on getting our cast together. we got some amazing people lined up that are going to participate in there so far. We're hoping to hear confirmations from more soon. And he's working on all the technicals to figure out uh, how we're going to distribute it, how we're going to record it. But there's some awesome things in the works. So essentially, Don't Feed the Sandworms, my Dune parody, and also the Captain Henry and the Justice Court radio series, which is also in the pipeline. Daniel, um, I have to ask, you know, due to the craziness of, of the world right now, um, the radio show, are you talking about actually in a studio and then you're producing the radio show? Um, I think it's a little up in the air. A lot of it right now depends on, again, kind of, you know, what's going on in the world, we know, and if there are any, if there are any severe restrictions, and also the availability of the individual cast members. So we're still working on the details and finalizing everything. Nothing set in stone, but we are committed to doing it, getting it done, and that's really all, we don't, that's all really I know about it right now. Like, there's still a lot that's up in the air about how we're going to accomplish it. But the scripts are written. We've got some cast members confirmed. Some are being looked at. We got some uh, comic book artists that are being looked at to maybe do some art for if we put the if we put the radio show to YouTube, so we can have some good art to go along with it. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. Right now, we're kind of at the planning stages now that the writing is done. Okay, spoken like a true producer, director writer and actor because you. you're welcome because that sounds so professional how, how do where do i go with this because um even if there wasn't anything going on in the world like it is right now with covid and everything you spoke just like i've heard famous uh directors martin scorsese and different um other directors you don't know how things are going to go once you put your fishing line out there until you get a bite, right? Exactly. Yeah. I love your attitude. How do you do it? Oh, it's, I'll tell you this, it's not easy. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, there are a lot of times, it's easy to look at the guy who sings at work and writes these really crazy stuff and has a million uh, wacky ideas every day and think, oh, they're super, super positive all the time. But that's actually that's actually not true. I've got a lot of, I struggle with a lot of the same issues and problems that a lot of people have. I uh, get saddened and depressed by the news. I get frustrated by people's indifference at injustice. I get upset at all the same things. I lose hope plenty of times. But I... The important thing, I think, is do 
find the things you can hold on to, whether it be your friends, your passions, whatever you can do, find a way to make it work in this time. That's what I can suggest. It's definitely not easy. Um, I've definitely struggled with depression before, and I still do in a lot of ways, but, you know, through medication and therapy and the amazing support of my friends, I've been able to kind of be the best version I can be. So I can take these depressive feelings, control them, and so I can focus more on being the positive me that can create things and be an artist in the world. I've known you for almost five, six years, and what you just said um, is so true. Uh, You are not the person that says, I'm fine, how are you? I'm fine, I'm good. Because what you just expressed was very brave and open and creative, and it's, I'm telling you, it's what most people are going through, but to speak it out and how you deal with it and still remain you know, on top of your acting career, other actors really need to hear that. You're very inspiring. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I have I have an itch and I have to ask it. You're a member of the executive board in at MonsterBox. What's that all about? Well, essentially, what that means is that every time MonsterBox usually they have a couple of different meetings once in a while when they really want to make a plan for what they're going to do for their season, or if they want to talk about some big things they've got going on. Sometimes they'll have kind of a big community powwow where they basically say anybody can come and pitch ideas and kind of they can bring in the whole community and see uh, what ideas everybody has. But then they have kind of this core group of a few people that they trust that they can bounce around more specific ideas, kind of when they found all their ideas together. It's almost like how you have uh, at the academy voting for different things it's not this technical but i'm saying you have this larger group and then the nominations quote unquote or ideas get funneled by this smaller group and so this smaller group which uh led by paul stark and tara gribbon they're the ones who essentially they're the two heads of the board and the head honchos over at monster box they're the ones all the ideas eventually go through and but yeah, I'm part of their sort of think tank team. Are you still in contact with them? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm texting uh, <clears throat> Paul and Tara whenever I can to see if I can get some updates on when our next meeting is. And even though we do not know when that is, I've been told that I will be notified when this meeting is. So I'll be in the loop, but nothing as of yet. That's excellent. Progressive. You, you, um, you think it's important to continually like breathe life into your career like you do? Oh yeah, absolutely. There is, and you don't. It's very important to just practice and keep working with what you have and what you want to do, and to not stop and just don't stop doing it. Really, give your really keep practicing. That's the only way to get better at what you want to do, whether it's writing or acting or singing or something like that you just you have to keep working now the only thing i'm saying is 
said, do not burn yourself out. That's the important thing. You have to keep it fun for you, and you have to understand that these are difficult times we're living in. And if you burn yourself out, then you're not going to be able to do anything. So the important thing, yes, work hard, work hard, work hard. Do your best. Keep practicing. But don't don't overwork yourself. You're only human. That's the important thing. But yes, absolutely, it's very important to work on your craft and your gifts when you can. That's excellent. What? That's wisdom. That's what that is. How old are you again? I'm 24, going on 25 this November. Okay, because you talk like a, I don't know, 60-year-old man. <laughs> because Wonderful. No, because you're talking wisdom, and most 24-year-olds, they don't get it. I've played my fair share of old people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> what was your favorite role of your entire career? Can you pick one? It's two. It's a okay. tie between two of them. One of them is, I mentioned, I've actually mentioned both of them before. One of them is Hot Blades Harry from Town, which I also played Old Man Strong in that show, which is Bobby Strong, the main character's elderly father. So those two roles in there. And also, basically, Hot Blades Harry is tied with uh, Seymour Krellborn from Little Shop of Horrors. Those are my two favorite shows I've done, two favorite roles I've played. It's just both of those were amazing experiences and the characters that I would I'd give up my left arm to go back to those shows and play those characters again because it was a blast. Do you think that those characters helped you grow as an actor? Oh, absolutely. I think that with... I've gone through a pretty rough spell of, of low confidence uh, during my junior year of high school. And I'd really kind of, I was in a big show where I was the lead. I was Charlie Brown, and you're going Charlie Brown. And I kind of sucked the fun out of the role for myself because I put so much pressure on myself. And that kind of put me in a bad spot. And when Urine Town came around that next spring, I had such a blast playing this insane maniac. And I, it made me discover the fun of theater again. It made it more fun for me again. And Seymour Quellborn, I love that show, Little Shop. I love it to death. Seymour is my number, was my number one dream role of all time, and it still is. I'd love to play it again. And so to do it, to do my dream role on a professional stage with such an amazing ensemble, it was one of the most surreal moments of my entire life, and it's an opportunity that I do not take for granted, and it was just a lovely experience so yes getting a chance to be in those shows did help me grow again i was especially being the lead in such a big production as little shock but yeah those have definitely helped me grow in various ways what was thank you what what was your first role like ever ever well my first role ever was when i was a freshman in high school uh, Anchor Bay High School, they do these travel, they do these, um, they do MIFA one-act competitions. That's where basically, for those who don't know, that's essentially a competition where you have, there's a taped-off area on the stage, like a giant box. You have 45 minutes to move your set into the box, do your show, and get it out. Anchor Bay does a straight play, a one-act festival, and a musical each year. That's what they do. Well, they do a they bring a one act to competition. And so my first show that I did, the only show I did my freshman year, funny enough, 
is a show called was a show called Surviving Reality, and Surviving Reality was this comedy about a reality show that put this redneck family and this high class upstate New York family fused them together, forced them to live uh, down in the old in the country, and you had this corrupt TV executive who's trying to make it so it's impossible and they can't win the big cash prize. And I played one of the big TV execs, two henchmen. I played a British man, a British coward named Neville Nerdstrom. And that was my <laughs> first role I ever played. And it was, it was very fun. It was great humor. It was, again, total blast getting to do a British accent. The only thing I did like about it is, well, the biggest... I'm not going to go into one the biggest thing because that's kind of personal, but they also gave me like this big, like this crazy, they gave me like an alfalfa cut, like from Little Rascal. Wow. Like they jilled up my hair into like that little spike thing. Right. That was kind of, that was kind of embarrassing, but you know, it, it is what it is. You, you do what you got to do. That is fun. That was my first role I've ever done. That's excellent. When you, what led you to, I say this, with confidence, what led you to believe you could become an actor? Well, it was just a matter of I didn't want to do anything. It's a matter of like you just I didn't want to do anything else, and it's a matter of I knew that I people told me I was good at it. I knew I started to learn I was good at it. I kept working hard and working hard, and as far as knowing when that I needed to do theater forever was probably when I did Annie Jr. a long time ago in 2000, summer of 2012, I want to say. Summer 2012, 2000, yeah, summer 2012, I think, at the Box Theater Mount Clemens. I was in Annie Jr., played Daddy Warbucks, and that was the show where I was like, okay, I need to do this for the rest of my life. And again i knew i could do in rochester college rochester university now i learned through all the training that i got and i was just so confident in my abilities and i had so much experience i played so many great roles that i knew that i had the work ethic and i knew i had the talent to make it big and so it was just a matter of going out and finding the right opportunities that fit i suppose sure absolutely it's it's actually a lot of work, isn't it? Oh, definitely. That's working hard is the number one rule of being an actor. Like I, like I said before, and also just being professional, being professional, being early, not not on time because on time it like early is on time, on time is late, and uh, late is unacceptable. So I love that. Fun. Excuse me. I love that. That's great. So it's not my fault. I'm not. I'm not the first. I'm definitely not the first to say it, but I'm definitely a big. I definitely agree with it. So I say always get there early. Always be professional, and always be helpful. Always just be pleasant to be around because if you're an actor and people like being around you, that'll get you more repeated jobs. That's how I got in. Honestly, I got in a Monster Box Theaters executive board because I volunteered to clean their bathrooms. Because what happened was, every like usually with their show, they don't have like a, a crew. So Monster Box usually, like they ask the actors to help 
set up the stays for performance, get things ready. And when I was doing Book of Liz, which was my first show with Monster Box, they said, okay, we're going to need someone to clean the bathrooms. I know it sucks, but then we're going to, and I'm like, I'll do it. That's fine. That's my survival job basically right now. So I'll do it. No problem. And basically now every time I do a show at Monster Box, I'm the guy that cleans the bathrooms. And because I was the first to do that and I was so helpful and so uh, professional and so on time, they decided they really liked me and liked having me around. And that's how I became part of their executive board. That's beautiful. Um, I, uh, I've spoken to a lot of different actors over the years and I've learned so much myself through listening to them. And I've run across people that, you know, they want to be famous or they want to make millions of dollars. And the way you are talking, it sounds to me like building a good name is first. Yeah, because that's, that's how you, honestly, that's how you really succeed in, uh, to be a professional actor, especially, especially in Michigan, because well, let's be honest, a lot of these, unless you're, uh, um, unless you're equity, uh, you're not bringing in big bucks. If most theater shows, you're bringing in a stipend, but it's mainly at that point about feeding, it's mainly about feeding your soul at this point, uh, with what you can do. And so, yeah, I kind of, I completely forgot where I was going with that. I just, okay. you know, <laughs> sorry about that. I completely lost my train of thought there, but sorry, sorry about that. That's... No, that's good. What, what you have said is so profound and yet so simple to understand if people will just listen. And I'm telling you, I, I know I'm doting on you. But the way your hope is and everything else and how you work hard, like you said, is inspirational, especially in these times. Thank you very much. I, I try to be, I, I try to, like, bring people up as much as, as much as I can. I, the, the way I kind of figured is just, if I just keep on being me, and just spread positivity and spread, um, if I can just share, usually just sharing with the, with people, that usually seems to fill them up, especially since I always get my, uh, creative inspiration from my friends, and I'm always telling my friends, oh my gosh, you would totally be great in this, oh, you should totally be this, or I want to see a show where you do this. Or, I, or I'm writing a role for you right now that I think you're going to love. And in a way, I can see basically, I see it as kind of sharing uh, my world with everybody. But I think, like some people, I think they really, I think people really like hearing that, um, that there are people who genuinely love them and champion them and really, um, really see the the greatness in them and I I really love to uh, tell my friends and my loved ones how great they are and how talented they are because I truly believe that they're the most talented people on earth and so I guess it's just about sharing whatever I can sharing the positivity sharing the love uh, sharing the ideas and so I guess if I can do that that and bring a little bit of goodness to the world that's 
That's a uh, art with heart is what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, who, Daniel DeRay, sir, who is your most treasured, your favorite actor? Do you have one? Oh, okay. That's tricky. I'm going to put a big asterisk there. Okay. With all the people that... My of uh, my favorite, I'm gonna have an asterisk by saying that my favorite non-Michigan. This I'm gonna say my favorite non-Michigan actor is who I'm going to say because, like I said, my favorite actors are the people that my real favorite actors are uh, different people that I work with, and I can't really narrow them down. So I would say, even though I haven't been a huge fan of some of his most recent projects, I gotta say, I can't. Uh, Johnny Depp is one of my absolute favorites. That really, honestly, when I was a kid and seeing him go from Jack Sparrow to his crazy Willy Wonka, which I personally like, is watching do that. I was like, wow, actors can really be different people. That kind of clicked with me there. So, yeah, I got to say, I'm probably going to go with uh, Johnny Depp. Although I'm a really big fan of Adam Driver right now. He's one of my uh, other favorites currently working today. Okay. Um, why did you like um, him in Willy Wonka? What What was different about him? Well, just as a kid, I just, well, as a kid, it was just a very different kind of humor. It had a, a different kind of humor, different kind of craziness. I just found entertaining as a kid. And nowadays, even though I still think Gene Wilder is better, I would say that he still disappears into that role. Like, I watch that, and I don't think, oh, Johnny Depp is being weird. I watch that and think, that's a really, really weird Willy Wonka. So he oddly does disappear in a way and kind of makes his own thing with it. So I, I do respect the performance, although, like most people, I still prefer uh, Gene Wilder. I, I would have to agree on both counts with that. Um, what did you, you said the word disappear. Uh, how important is that when you're playing a role for for you, the actor, to disappear? Well, disappearing is it's a really it's an interesting way to put it because it's always I gotta say disappearing is almost like an added bonus, an added compliment. I would say you shouldn't be striving to disappear. You, you should really just be striving to bring whatever you can uh, bring whatever basically just convey what character you're looking at on the page and bringing them to life as best you can and just showing them in their best way and as far as disappearing goes I kind of I kind of see that as more of almost like a compliment it's, a comp it's more of a compliment to receive rather than something to strive for, if that makes any sense. Actually, it does. From one actor to another, it does. Um, otherwise, you can't really portray the truth of the character. Yeah. Now, it is, now I'll say this, it is very fun to, now, if you're in a, now, if you're talking about, like, being unrecognizable in, like, a costume with a voice and and to be kind of like to look and sound very different 
that is that in of itself is very fun and very enjoyable as a baseline actor because we as actors do enjoy uh, pretending to be other characters. That is essentially really the most fun part of acting. So that in of itself is fun to do in that regard. True. I love it. Um, if you could give advice about stage fright or nerves to someone that was going through it, what would you tell them? Well, it depends on what stage they are. Honestly, it depends entirely on what stage they are in. Um, I would say to the average person who's experiencing stage fright, that's very, it's very tricky. The only thing I would say is actual... I don't know what to say about actual stage fright, like actually freezing on stage. I like like literal definition of freeze fright, of stage fright. But I will say as far as I, the advice I can give is about, you know, pre-show nerves and stuff like that. That sort of advice I can give. And what I would say there to someone experiencing pre-show nervousness, I would say if you're feeling a little anxious, that's a good thing. That means that you really care about what you're going to do. And that actually one of my favorite quotes uh, of all time is from a really raunchy uh, comedy with Russell Brand called Get Him to the Greek. And Russell Brand's character at one point, he's about to go on stage and he's this drug addict in it. And he is going out to uh, be with, perform for the people that are just cheering his name and they love to see him. And he says, I feel nervous. It's good to feel something. That, to me, is just the most beautiful quote that sums up um, why pre-show nerves are a good thing. The key is just to not let them take you over. And to just. And my only advice to not let them take you over is to just trust the work you've done, trust the work you've put into it, and just go out, have fun, work hard, do what you prepared for, and just live in the moment. That's excellent. You hear that, audience? I'm telling you, Daniel is awesome. Um, Daniel, I have a question concerning your education. Yes. Um, there's a lot of techniques out there, um, acting techniques that have been legendary. Do you favor one over the other? Um, I kind of cherry pick a little bit from uh, different people. Uh, I focus. Mo I'm. I would say mostly. I'm a standard. I say I'm mostly a Stanislavski guy because I'm very much into the idea of you know relaxation, concentration, um, and just again just making it feel real for for an audience. And I I just really connect with his. Uh, his views on his views on it with you know working on basically living in the given living in the given circumstances uh i like that but i also subscribe to a little bit of Meyerhold in a way like in the sense that i kind of look at the character and i see okay how can i become that or that or how can i make that come to life and one of the things i actually did um i was in a production of wit my senior year at Rochester College, I played Dr. Kalikian, and the character is a 
a position is a very very stern, very proper position, it, which is a very big departure from a lot of other roles I've played. And I was thinking, hmm, how do I make this real? And one of the things I did to kind of inform that character, I had this jacket that I was wearing, uh, like this jean jacket that I just wore at rehearsals, and I would put my hands in my pockets, my jean jacket pockets, and imagine that I was like a foot taller. And when I did that, that like reinformed um, everything about the character, and I was able to inhabit him much better. So I kind of cherry-picked different kinds of uh, styles. I learned I learned a lot of Meisner learned a lot of the Meisner Meisner style uh, during my time at Rochester University. So I kind of cherry pick here and there. It's it's all about what works best for you, and as long as you can, you know, do it say do whatever you can safely and you know without being a nuisance to others. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. Jared, like Jared Leto. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a podcast in itself. Have um now I have experienced it. I know maybe you have. I'm gonna ask you this. Um, cause it's real. Uh have you ever been with a ensemble that the chemistry wasn't there or you had difficulty relating to this person or that person? Well, I'll tell you this. One thing I go back to my first show, and you know what? Remember I said there was an aspect that I didn't like about that that first show I did. Okay. I said it was a little too pers- it was a little personal. Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop, but I am gonna go in depth because you mentioned it. Um, there is this actress. Remember, I there's the TV executive in Surviving Reality has two henchmen, two assistants, me and this one woman, and the person who played this one woman was just the most rude mean person i could have i've ever i've ever worked with she was absolutely terrible i hated working with her she hated me she thought i was annoying in the first um rehearsal we just hated each other i mean granted two characters hated each other so in a way it worked (laughs) but as far as oh that here's the thing even though we did, I'm sure that looking back now, if we did get along, our scenes would have been even better. I can say that. I can say that for sure. And every time I was in a show with this person, because I was in a couple of shows with her uh, in high school, and things things didn't go well. It was not a positive experience. She kept things very. She made things very toxic. She even had this brother. She even had a, a little brother who was a good friend of mine. Um, he basically told me that when he first met me, he didn't like me just because of how much crap uh, his older sister had talked about me. So, yeah, when you don't have a good relationship with the people on stage, that that can affect or can hinder the product. Some actors can work past that and be professional, which is good. But when you have actors who love each other and get along and, have that camaraderie you're always going to get a better product yes i would agree with that um and even with the bad times you learn from them and grow correct absolutely yeah there's you you learn from every experience and even sometimes you really gotta 
to judge for yourself and really learn how to take care of yourself because there are a lot of times when you're making your art and it's going to be very, very tricky. It's going to, there are times when things aren't going so well and things are kind of caving in on you and really just got to focus up again. Remember what you're there, remember what you're there to do. Uh, keep, uh, keep a hold on to your loved ones for support. Take care of yourself still. Do your work. But yeah, it's definitely not easy. And there are definitely times when you're going to feel the waves crashing in uh, as an actor, but that's just kind of what it is. You open yourself up to all different kinds of emotions and experiences when you decide to get into the world of theater. And that's not saying that you should let, like, just take all negative stride if you don't feel safe or you don't feel like you're in a supportive environment. If you feel like you're in a toxic toxic environment, then you should definitely get out of that environment. But that being said, for the hard times, because there are definitely hard times, even in good productions, you can have an amazing production and a great experience with the cast and have a bad week where everything is going wrong. I mean, they call it hell week for a reason. (laughs) So, yeah, there are definitely going to be tough times and sometimes you just got to push through them. But sometimes when you have these hard times and you do get through them, that makes the victory that much sweeter. That's a beautiful sentiment. And it's true. It's real. Daniel, um, if someone would want to contact you, uh, how would they do that? Uh, you can just message me. Uh, best way to be message me on Facebook, um, uh, Daniel DeRay. You can I can be contacted at my uh, email, which is dderay at rc.edu, and that's essentially the best way to get a hold of me. And yeah, through Facebook message or through email. Okay. Definitely. Um, I want to say I'm honored and it's good to hear your voice again and hearing your wisdom and you're just a wonderful human being. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And you enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Uh, You too. Bye-bye.